All right, everybody, welcome into the post-game episode of The Shant Show. My name is Curtis. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Uh, Jordan Wright. Josh Whitlow. Mario Carpentier. And we come to you directly after a Coastal Carolina win, 28-25, over the Buffalo Bulls. So let's jump into this. So first off, takeaways from the game, Coastal looked bad for a while. <laughs> they were not good. They were <laughs> they were dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage by a team in, in Buffalo that is good, is probably going to be the second best team that Coastal plays all year, but is not excellent by any stretch of the imagination. So what are you guys' takeaways from that, especially focusing in on the first half? I think the defense just looks nothing like what they did last year. Buffalo put up Buffalo put up three points against Nebraska last week and then puts up 25 on Coastal. It's just the national media is painting us as having a way better defense than Nebraska, and the defense just doesn't have the same juice as it did last year, and I think they're missing Teron Jackson a lot more than they thought they would. Yeah, just to, just to follow up on what, uh, what Josh was talking about, um, yeah, just the defense really was a problem. I mean, 406 yards, total yards for Buffalo today, that is just way too much yardage for our defense to be uh, given up. And not only that, but rushing was also a big thing for me for, for that what I saw because we gave up 260 yards in rushing and 5.5 yards each rush. That that cannot happen to be a top team, uh, to be ranked in the top 25. We cannot allow our defense to give 5.5 yards a carry. It cannot happen. It's absolutely ridiculous that a team like Buffalo could do that. Now, you know, that that sounds like we're disparaging Buffalo, and we're not trying to do that at all. Buffalo's a good team. However, Coastal looked like a second-rate team. Coastal looked like what everybody expected Coastal to look like last year. They looked like a team that you could roll over, you beat them, you know, you score a couple touchdowns, and you win because they can't compete. And it looked that way at the beginning of this game. You know, they had Marks Jr., Buffalo's running back, was going off. They had um, McDuffie was just untackleable. And a lot of of those problems came from what I saw as bad tackle attempts. Um, Coastal was diving in, not wrapping up, not doing what they needed to do. By the time the offensive line got a hand on Gallagher or Kelly, the safety that was coming in was just diving at air, was diving at ankles, and would just bounce off. And you can't have that at this level of football. Right. Arm tackling is something that I got yelled at for every day in high school football, and that seemed to be all we were doing. And we even we were trying to strip the ball on almost every play. And on one of the plays where we stripped the ball, they picked it up and ran for another 40 yards. So it was just not sound tackling that we're used to seeing from the coastal defense. Although I'll say this, though. I'll say... If I got to give Buffalo a lot of credit, passing wise, like their offensive line did a magnificent job. You know, not one single sack for Coastal this whole entire game compared to Buffalo's, I believe, three for them. So overall, I think like when you talk about pass protection, I think Buffalo did an amazing job. And not only that, but like rushing, I felt like that was definitely going to be something that was Coastal was going to struggle because when you really look at Buffalo heading into this game. They were averaging 223 and a half yards per carry. Now, regardless, they had it's kind of related to this. We're kind of very similar considering the fact that, again, we you look at week one, we're playing these teams that, again, we should be absolutely destroying. And then coming into week two, they're like a little bit better teams, but overall still, like we took care of Kansas as we should have. Nebraska was definitely going to be a big challenge for Buffalo. Mm. And as for like Coastal Carolina, even against those two teams, 
opponent wise, when it came to rushing, it was like 190 something yards. So I knew rushing was going to be something that Coastal was going to have a problem with. Yeah, and the same problems that happened in Kansas against Kansas, excuse me, um, showed their head again today. The offensive line didn't look good. They got dominated most of the game, and you know the the main difference between Kansas and Buffalo is Buffalo is a competent football team. So, you know, you at least get a little bit of something out of them where Kansas couldn't do anything about it. But the same ugly problems that hurt Coastal in playing against Kansas killed them again their defense played okay but not good at all not to the standard that we expected to or the standard they played to last year their offensive line was not good they got dominated in the trenches and you had to rely on the athleticism of Grayson McCall and um, the running the stable of running backs to get to the outside and beat this Buffalo team because they couldn't run up the gut they couldn't do it until late in the fourth quarter which great because that sealed the game, but you're late in the fourth quarter now. You should have been doing this all along. You should have never been in this situation. I tell you, I tell you, I would, I would hate to be a uh, be a defensive player uh, this week coming up in uh, for practice because it's gonna be. I can tell the coaches were not. You could see it on their faces. They they knew that this was not what their game plan was. So you, I hate to be a player this week because I can tell you it's gonna be a rough week of practice getting ready for UMass come next uh, Saturday, I tell you. Yeah, and we'll get into UMass a, a bit more on our Tuesday episode. Um, we'll go over, uh, we're trying to line up a guest that covers UMass to get in here and help us with what's going on with that program. But I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the good things. We've been a little bit negative to start our first podcast, which, you know, we, we, we're a bunch of fun guys. We don't try to be super negative all the time. But no, no. Grayson McCall looks good. Grayson McCall threw a couple of balls that made the NFL scout in me light up. That ball down the sideline early in the game to Javon Hiley, mm-hmm. he could not have run down the field and put it in his hands better than he threw it. I agree. You know, he made the mistake late in the game that would have sealed the game, you know, through that interception. But I think, you know, they were talking on the broadcast about a miscommunication between him and his running back and you know, not seeing the defender or expecting the defender to go a different direction. But he looks really good. He looks like the Grayson McCall that we were promised coming into this season. And the running backs look great, too. I mean, Reese White had a good game. Um, they started handing it off a lot to Brandon Bennett. They got him moving, got him outside, got him a lot of receptions, actually. Um, and he's a great yak guy. He's, he's going to break tackles. He's going to get, you know, down the field. But the standout player, bar none, a full stop, Shamari Jones. He was, he was, definitely, he was definitely having a great game. Uh, you could definitely tell he was chugging. After contact was really impressive with me. After the first initial contact with a defender, he's still driving his feet and getting two, three, four more yards. So, yeah, definitely, definitely a great game for Shamari Jones. And if we can continue to keep getting Reese White and Brandon Bennett, we could have a potential three-headed running game. And then on top of that, which you have uh, with Grace McCall being mobile as well, we could do some things. I'm telling you, we could do some things with the with the pistol formation that we're running here at Coastal. Right, and um, earlier in the game we were talking when we were watching it, um, Shamari Jones did not look that great going into the contact, but somebody talked to him in between the first and second quarter, and he came out and 
I don't remember. It was the second quarter, I think. He laid that hit, and he sent the Buffalo player, like, flying on his butt and then picked up 20 more yards after that. So he kind of flipped the switch after the first quarter, and the rest of the game he was locked in and running hard. He didn't try to juke anyone. He just wanted to run straight through them. So that was really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Shamari Jones finishes the game 17 carries, 147 yards, and a touchdown. An 8.6-yard average. You know, we talked about the offensive line struggling. That says otherwise. Um, but just based off of the eye test, Shamari Jones is the real deal, and he excites me for what this team could be heading down You know, into what is unequivocally an easier part of our schedule. Um, you know, you've got a, a game against UMass, who is probably one of the worst teams in college football right, right. up there with Kansas. They're, they're not good. Um, yeah, we'll not see none of their fans, probably. Yeah, oh, no, no. That'll be a, a coastal-only game. There's no way. UMass is uh, independent, right? Yes. You're in the FBS, though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're FBS, okay. but they're independent. They, That's what they, I thought. They didn't win a game all of last season. They're mm. going to come into this game winless. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll save a little bit more of that for, for our Tuesday episode. But, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for what this team could be. As, as much as today was a little rougher on the heart than I wanted it to be. (laughs) You walk out of Buffalo with a win. You know, you walk out of a situation that could have gone really bad into one that is very, very good. Absolutely. I mean, like, let's be optimistic here. We're talking about, we're talking about uh, Jamie Chadwell's first ever win in the MAC conference. I mean, we got to give him a huge congratulations right there because that is something that is a big accomplishment for him, especially for his coaching career. And other than that, you know, obviously every team wants to have that dominant win, but to go into a hostile area like Buffalo and to come together, and there were times where like it was a bit questionable, but to come together and get that win, especially a very close win against a very, very physical Buffalo team, that's something you got to be proud about, and that's something you got to take away with you. Uh, let me just say this also. I mean, we're, if we're sending out congratulations yeah. for, for the let's, – let's thank the fans because that was Absolutely. another thing I wanted to point out. That we there were so many fans I could hear. Let's go coastal CCU chance. Block defense, that kick. Block yeah. that kick. We have a fan base here that is actually going to to places and is actually you could hear them during the broadcast. So shout out to all the fans that were out there cheering on the team and that made the trip up to Buffalo as well. Right. And talking as a fan base, if we're out here. We didn't used to be in the position to be able to criticize three-point wins on the road against teams that were ranked last year. So we'll take back a step and think about where we are now and that this is actually a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. It shows the growth of Coastal as as not only a football team but as a football program in general, right? We expect them to win these games. When two years ago, you yeah. didn't even expect them to be competitive. You, you fully expected Buffalo to come in there and – dominate physically and and win that game didn't happen coastal won coastal proved their resilience they did very very well in this game um you know the biggest thing is is they capitalized on on mistakes every time that buffalo you know choked every time buffalo you know couldn't get it done coastal did and it really showed up you know in in this game absolutely absolutely Absolutely. Let's talk about Buffalo for a quick second, okay? Because if we're going to give like some credit to Coastal, we got to give some credit to Buffalo. This was this was an amazing again, Buffalo, they played a very very great game. The one thing I was looking at like heading into this Buffalo game, 
the one thing that like really intrigued me about Buffalo was their uh, third down conversion and like mm-hmm. for opponent wise like stopping opponents. They're heading into this game, their third down conversion, they had a percent. Their opponents had a percentage of just about just above thirty five point seven percent. And then again, like that was something that they did very very well coming into this Buffalo game too because Coastal. They ended up going three for nine on third down conversion. So Buffalo did a great job on third down, you know. And I got to give them a lot of credit on that. This defense was very, very, very physical, and they made it very tough for this Coastal Carolina offense. Yeah, and, and they did a great job of that. They came through and, you know, stopped Coastal whenever they could, right, or at least made an attempt to. You know, they, they <laughs> Coastal still pushed through. Absolutely. That fourth down – Early in the game. I think it was on Coastal's first drive. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. in Buffalo territory. Mm-hmm. Fourth and one. And Chadwell lines up. You know, Coastal had stopped Buffalo. They, they forced a punt. And Chadwell, you know, says, you know what? We're going for it. We're doing it. That moment could have changed the game in so many different ways. Yeah. Coastal comes through. Coastal goes down the field, scores a touchdown on that drive. You know, Buffalo stood up on third down really well. Stopped Coastal very well on third down in this game. But you get those two fourth down conversions, that one being the the first one and and probably the most important because that's at home in Buffalo's whiteout. I know it's nothing compared to, like, the Penn State whiteout or (laughs) even our whiteout last week was was pretty impressive. Absolutely. But, you know, it's still a game that their fans are – uber excited for you get that fourth down stop early in the game this game goes a completely different direction and coastal pushed through got that conversion got the touchdown right and i know that massimo biscardi was our starting kicker was out for this game but i really don't think that that had anything to do with chadwell's decision to go for it on fourth down i think he knew more than the media and even us fans knew about how tough Buffalo was going to be. And he knew that we needed to go down there and punch him in the mouth on the first drive or we were going to be in trouble. Yeah, it's, a, it's and you got to think too, guys. I mean, we are going to have an aggressive play call with Jamie Chadwell and this coaching staff. We are not going to – we're not going to punt the ball at certain times of the game. If we feel like we can get it, we're going to use uh, the big hog mollies up front, the offensive line, and they're going to block and we're going to go out here. And we're going to get these conversions. So I, I, I like the play call. I like it a lot. And I, just like you were saying, Curtis, it, it is a big play. You know, starting the game out, fourth down, you got to have it because if you don't, that crowd of Buffalo is going to be juiced. And if they go down and score, they're going to be even more juiced. So that's just a, a great play call. Even led to our first touchdown in the game. So great play call by uh, Jamie Chadwell on that. Absolutely. I mean, I just love, again, like, like you guys mentioned, how phys- how aggressive they are on fourth down. You know, some teams we see them, like some college teams, we see them and they're not as aggressive, you know, and that costs them the game if you sometimes not as aggressive as you should be. But with Jimmy Chadwell, I just love how he goes for it on fourth down. He went two for two today. So overall, he's very consistent with fourth down conversions too. So I just think that's a great thing to have in a coach. Right. He has confidence in our offense and if you can't be a top fifteen team in this country if you can't if you don't think you can get one yard on fourth down. Absolutely. That's my thought. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if if you're gonna make this claim to be, you know, Cincinnati looks at the time of recording looks like they're gonna win their game. Um, so they're still gonna Unfortunately be yeah. you know, head of the class in terms of group of five teams. Um, but they've still got matchups with Notre Dame coming up and 
that's, you know, Notre Dame is still questionable at this point. We don't really know what they are. Um, But if you're going to make a claim as the best group of five team in the country, you got to go out and you got to get that yard. You've got to have trust in your program. You got to have trust in the players that you're throwing out there. And Jamie Chadwell fully does. You know, they, I didn't realize that the mullet for Jamie Chadwell, I thought it was just like him being part of the team type no. thing. No. It's a thing, you know, he said, as long as we're winning, I'm rocking a mullet. As long as I'm with, you know, as long as you guys are with us and we're winning, I'm rocking the mullet. Right. I remember I saw a tweet. This was last season. It was probably early October. And it said, Jamie Chadwell said, if we win the Sun Belt, I'll get a mullet. And that was probably three games <laughs> in when we were projected three and nine last year by the, the Sun Belt media. So, yeah. yeah, he said, as long as we're winning, he's going to keep it. So, that's just another thing that he's showing that he's fully bought in to what his players are doing and what this program is. And I think the players respect that. And they have full trust in his decisions, and it shows. It's all about a culture. It's all about a culture, especially when you're trying to win and you're trying to build a program. It's all about a culture. And definitely, I mean, they said it in their promos. I mean, we were uh, America's sweethearts. You know, everybody didn't expect Mm -hmm. to hear from us last season. They didn't expect us to come out and to do the things that we did last year. Now it's kind of different because we got a target on our backs. So we have to we have to make sure, you know, they got to go out there every week and play like they're playing in Alabama or playing uh, Appalachian State, playing somebody, you know, we can't overlook a team. I fully believe we were – we got the big head. I, feel, I fully believe people were talking about it over the week and people were talking on social media. And I believe our players looked at it a little too much. And it, it, you can see it at times on at the game today. So we have to be prepared for anything because you just cannot overlook any team uh, when you're playing. Absolutely right. And going back to what you guys said about culture, the one thing, too, about a whole team is, like, being united and doing things together. And because of, and because of last year, obviously, due to, like, COVID, there wasn't a lot of chances to do that. But when they were in Buffalo, I remember they talked about going to Niagara Falls. And just a trip like that where the whole team's together and they're all hanging out together, that's something that could really build chemistry. So I'm glad that they did decide to do that, and I think it really did show. So moving on to kind of a statistical analysis of this game, we're going to go through a breakdown. Um, We went over Shamari Jones having nearly 150 yards rushing. That's insane. Grayson McCall finishes the day 13 of 19, 232, three touchdowns in that interception down at the goal line. Um, Grayson has been on fire to start this season. He is, he's only thrown 13 incompletions in three games, and two of them today should have been caught for touchdowns. <laughs> there yeah. was one right down the seam. He hit him right in the hands, and it just bounced right off, you know. So clean up those mistakes, and Grayson McCall walks out of that game with, you know, nearly 100% completion rate except for the interception. Javon Hiley leads uh, Coastal's wide receivers. Four receptions, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Cam Brown, I want to talk about Cam Brown. Uh, dive in deep on this. Statistical line is good. Not, you know, it doesn't blow you away. It's not record setting. It's not insane. Three receptions, 79 yards. It's an average of 26.3. That dude is a baller. Right. That dude is a baller. He blocked downfield better than any wide receiver I've seen at the college level. He is a rock on the outside. The jet sweep for the first touchdown, he locked his cornerback up, 
and said, you're not getting away from me, he's responsible for that touchdown. I know, you know, they're going to call it whatever, right? But, you know, they're, they're going to give it to Bedgood, and you scored it. That's Cam Brown's touchdown. That is That dude is a man out there blocking downfield. Not only that, but I also saw in the third quarter, um, Grayson hit him on the right side of the field, and he went up the sideline for, like, a huge play. I think it was almost equivalent to 30 to 35 to 40 yards. That's that's the type of big plays that we need to have. And Cam Brown – listen, guys, I love Cam Brown. Cam Brown, 6'3", 210 pounds. This guy – I mean, we could have possibly the best wide receiver core here at Coastal. I mean, in the Sun Belt. I mean, you got to think with Javon Hiley – if we can get Cam Brown into more more passing, get him in the passing game and with Isaiah Likely, man, you talk about a receiving core, that would be something, I'm telling you. Yeah, and you brought up Likely there. One reception, six yards, the good news. That reception was a touchdown. Right. Yep. But a pretty lackluster performance um, from what we usually get out of Isaiah Likely. Again, not a bad game, but we expect a little bit more out of that guy. And I think – you know, the matchups against Buffalo were on the outside. Their corners were not good. Um, their corners were good tacklers in the run game. But they were not good cover guys, so why throw it to Likely for four right. yards when you can throw it to Highly for 40, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that was the decision that was made there a lot um, rather than, you know, Likely not being open or Likely running a bad route or Likely, you know, not doing what he needs to do. Um, on defense... The main stat that stands out here, no sacks. For an aggressive defense like Coastal, you know, that had so many sacks against Kansas, I think it was, I'd have to look it up, but I think it was four or five sacks against Kansas, right? This is a team that loves to bring blitzes, that loves to be aggressive. They were aggressive today, and it didn't work. Yeah, I I totally agree. I feel... I feel like the defense line has a lot to to offer. I feel like we have to be a lot more aggressive, and we have to get out the we have to get out the ball quicker. I mean, low man wins in football. I, I mean, I've I played I played both sides of the ball, offense line and defensive line. And coaches used to always say low man wins. So and we have to be more aggressive. Um, C.J. Brewer definitely has to be more of the player that he was last season. Uh, Jeffrey Gunther actually mm. played pretty well um, at times today. He actually he had a sack, um, and he played pretty well today. Uh, we, but we need more. We need more from the other guys. Um, and I, I believe fully, you know, coming into next week when we play UMass, I believe that the defensive line is going to play way more aggressively than they did today against uh, Buffalo. One thing I noticed was Stewart. He had three and a half sacks last week against Kansas, and today I was watching him in his ISO matchup. They weren't even putting two guys on him. His guy was just holding him and manhandling him, and he didn't even pressure the quarterback. Van Trees is not necessarily a great passing quarterback, but and we gave him way too much time, and he was able to make some throws, and we didn't get hurt too much in the air, but he definitely had way too much time, and we didn't get to him until the fourth quarter. So that's something we got to clean up going into the next couple weeks. Right, you mentioned Van Trees. I remember there was one part of, I remember there was one specific play of the game. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was either Kelly or Geller, but I remember one of them just ended up blitzing like right down the middle, and and Van Trees just got it off just in time. And I think it was like a catch too for like a first down. I can't remember. But overall, yeah, I mean, 
when you're talking about sacks wise, they just weren't there. Yeah, you got to get home on those, and and you hate looking backwards, right? This is, you know, you always look forward, you always look next man up. Teron Jackson was that guy for this team last year, and early doors through the first two games. Stewart looked like the kid, man. He looked like the guy that was going to come in and replace him. Now, it's one game, right? It's, you know, you can't base a career off of one game. You can't base your opinion off of one game. You can start to make inferences, and and he was quiet without being double teamed, which is not good for the team. Also want to throw out a uh, quick little shout-out to Liam Gray, the freshman. Um, Missed his kick, but you know what? Kid, you'll get him. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You know, keep moving forward. Uh, Mario Biscardi didn't travel with the team, was injured. Um, so that, not fun. Hopefully, uh, Chadwell will give us some some information on that, and hopefully we get that guy back. But made all four of his extra points, you know, and you win by <laughs> you win by three, you needed all four of those. So, you know, shout out to him for stepping up and, and doing a difficult job in a hostile environment. Absolutely. Right. Um, moving to Buffalo a little bit here. Kyle Van Trace was good, um, surprisingly. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. Um, Penn State played Buffalo a couple years ago, and Matt Myers was their starting quarterback when Penn State played. So I watched a lot of that game, and he looked really good. And I was surprised to see Van Trace come out and be the starter. Now, he started against Nebraska last week. So there's not a lot of surprise there, but I'd seen what Matt Myers could do, and he's a very mobile, very good you know, quarterback from that sense. Van Trace had himself a game. Van Trace was good, and, and it helped that his offensive line kept him clean. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and another thing I want to point out is that, you know, when, when you're playing, uh, Van Trace was very uh, calm in the pocket, didn't seem rattled at all, and you know, that's what happens when you have a good offensive line and you got somebody that's making sure that their their jersey color is still the same color that it is when they put it on. So <laughs> yeah. you got to. So we have to we have to give a lot of credit to Vantries and uh, their offensive line. There, they play pretty well. I got to give the credit. Yeah, and that's that's funny you bring that up because you know that was always one of our mantras when I was playing offensive line is you know <laughs> our jerseys look like this and it's just caked in mud so that his can look like that and you point to the quarterback and it's still pressed white fresh out of the laundry machine. You know. Buffalo did a good job at that, and Coastal has got to step up that pass rush. If you're going to send a blitz with Gallagher or Kelly, you're going to bring a corner or a safety off the edge, and you still can't get home, that's concerning. That's worrying headed into, you know, you're going to start with um, UMass this week, then you jump into uh, UL Monroe, who's, again, not a good team, but it's Sunbelt, right? And then you're off to Arkansas State, who's a good team. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your big boy. You've yeah. got App, a trip to App State on a Wednesday night because thank you. You know, we didn't <laughs> want to go to that game, but, you know, whatever. Some belt, fun But, yeah, so, you know, Buffalo looked good. And, and Trace was confident he didn't throw a touchdown, mainly because he didn't need to because he kept handing the ball off to Dylan McDuffie who would break tackle after tackle. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, so we won't go too deep into it. But McDuffie finishes the day 15 carries, 93 yards, a six-yard average. That's in, that's that's unacceptable. You know, you come your, – your defensive coordinator is going to talk to you after the game and be like, hey, we did this good, we did this good. This 
this sucked. (laughs) This is not good. And that's one of those that they're going to point to, and they're going to have to point to. Um, He also scored a touchdown as well. I want to, you know, don't take that away from him. Um, One thing that worried me early on in the game was Buffalo wide receiver Dominic Johnson. Absolutely. Six foot five animal. Caught a couple of balls early on, and I thought, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Because he just outsized Coastal. He was, you know, he's power forward up there working against some point guards. And it was was tough for Coastal. Finishes the game six yards, 65, or excuse me, six receptions, 65 yards for uh, a 10-yard per catch average. I mean, again, like I said, defensive coordinator is going to go, yep, you did that good, yep, you did that good. What happened here? Exactly. He was a safety blanket for Van Treese, and one of the things about Coastal that they did last year very well was disrupt the quarterback and the other offense on doing what they usually do, and Buffalo never got off their game plan. They never had to get off their game plan. We never forced Van Treese to throw balls, and they were able to run their offense, and he was able to be a game manager, and anytime he did throw the ball, Johnson was right there, 6'5", looking over our 5'10 corners, and he was a good safety blanket for him and helped him stay on their goal of what they want their offense to look like. Yeah, and and weirdest stat of the game. (laughs) It's funny. So, Coastal had uh, Buffalo backed up. It was 4th and 11 from, I think, their their own, like, 20-ish, right? Something in there. Mm -hmm. And Buffalo brought their offense back on the field. I'm thinking, man, this is the middle of the third quarter. What are you doing? What? Are you just trying to throw this game away at this point? Like, have you given up? Are you that desperate? Kyle Van Trace <laughs> launches a 49-yard punt. To put that in contrast, Buffalo's normal punter, Evan Finnegan, had three punts that averaged 35 yards. <laughs> I think it might be time for a position change I agree. for I agree. young Kyle Van Trace. Um no, but and the worst part about that is it was for negative one net yard because Alex Billum returned it for fifty yards. But uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting little stat to to, to find at the bottom of the <laughs> the bottom of the list is right. Buffalo's punter was out punted by who's that? Oh, their quarterback. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think the only problem that I had specifically with that play call and the commentators mentioned it too is the fact that when you're keeping that offense on the field. As soon as they punt that ball, you also got to realize there's like probably a good four or five offensive linemen that have to go get that guy. And Spillman's a fast returner. He's a fast guy. So you're really relying on a good four or five offensive linemen out of however many are on the field to tackle that man. And I think that's why Spillman had a good return. Taking nothing away from Spillman, Spillman did a great job. But that's the only issue I would have with that specific play call. I got to ask, with that return of Spillman returning it, do we use him in the punt return? We no. don't. So we so, don't. We I'm put sorry. Highly back there, yeah. which Highly's good. Yeah. But I think you know, last week Spillum had the blocked yeah, punt for Alex a touchdown. Yeah. 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 Um, which was massive in turning that game in, in Coastal's favor. I think without that, Kansas was slowly building momentum yep. and slowly building, and Spillum said, "Uh, uh-uh. well, uh." <laughs> Not say, today. All I gotta say with Coach, you gotta, you got, we gotta, we gotta do something with, yeah. uh, with, with Spiller, man. Fifty yards on that. I thought he was gonna take that to the house. I really did. So, I mean, him and Javon back there, that would be. Yeah, yeah. I think you've got to yeah. look into it at the very least. I'm telling right? you, <laughs> like, like you know, no disrespect to Manny Stokes, right? 
He had a good return today, too. Kidd is good. He's, you know, but early doors, Spillum has shown me, like, on special teams, he's a baller, man. He's a baller. And and the other thing that Spillum moving forward, right, the Coastal is now at this phase where, like, this is a year where you've got a lot of the talent you brought back isn't going to be around for a lot longer, right? Grayson McCall is going to be around for a little bit longer. I don't his draft stock is is going up, but it's not quite there yet. I don't think he'll leave early. Um, but guys like Alex Spillum need to start looking at how do I make myself useful at the next level, and I think he could do that at special teams. That's you know? what I've seen so far. He's a guy that. He's on the late edge of that draft board between seventh round and undrafted. And this is last year, I don't really remember him, his name being called too much in special teams, but he's taken this as his opportunity to get his name out there. And back to back weeks, he's been a phenomenal special teams player. And that could be his way into the league. So shout out Alex Billum. And, and to point out what you were talking about, Curtis, about the. The, the 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 people around having them here while they're here. I mean, we got a lot of super seniors on this team. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that people. A lot of our players have bought into the the extra COVID year, and that's why they they all came back. They came back because they have one goal in mind. They had those those shirts that have a, that chip on their shoulder. They feel like to this day they're still kind of disrespected, and we do we do feel we are disrespected at times. So. Yeah, we definitely gotta we gotta take advantage of those those super seniors and like you said, all these other players that are that we brought in. If you're when your time is, comes, your time comes. You gotta step up. We need you. Yeah, and Coastal's done an amazing job, and 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 credit to Chadwell and the rest of the coaching staff of it's always next man up, right? Like Spillum, you know, <laughs> they had to leave the defense out there because the quarterback was there. But like he said, you know, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna get that kick. And it turned into a big play for Coastal. Got him an easy touchdown because they returned it. Again, negative net one yard on the punt because Spillum returned it 50 yards. Yeah, that's right. we used to run that play in high school, actually, yeah. our quarterback punt. And the thing about it is normally there's no one back there to return it. That's so true. a 40-yard punt or a 35-yard punt is okay. But Spillum put that on him and said, I'm actually going to go try to return this, even right. though he's not a normal returner. Right, to, to make that decision and, and have the football IQ to say, you know what, it's 4th and 11 from inside their own half. There's almost no way to get back there and have the smarts to be like, hey, I'm going to return this. They've got a bunch of offensive linemen out here that can't you know, yeah. keep up with me at all. You know, that's, that's amazing. So we'll move on a little bit from Coastal um, and step into a national picture. We're recording today um, as the mid-afternoon games are going on, so we're really – only have a picture of what happened at noon, but Coastal currently sitting at 16 in the AP poll. Uh, good news for Coastal. Officially, final score, West Virginia beat Texas Tech 27-21. That is number 50. Oh, did I say Texas Tech? Virginia Tech. Yeah. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. <laughs> Much better. Uh, <laughs> that's number 15, Virginia Tech, to you. Last week, not next week. They hey. are done. They're gone. So that's another domino to fall in front of Coastal. Um, Cincinnati holds on to beat Indiana. They actually pulled away a little bit late in that game. So, you know, you're you're vying with Cincinnati for that title, if you want to call it, of best group of five team. Um, best group of five team gets an automatic bid to a New Year's Six. Yep. Cincinnati has a tough game with, with Notre Dame coming up, as we mentioned earlier, where Coastal schedule gets not easier. Every game is tough, but... 
you start to enter Sunbelt play where you should be favored in every game except Appalachian State, which if I was putting a Vegas line on right now... We'd be underdogs. Is, yeah, we're either underdogs or it's a pick em. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a Wednesday night game. That's weird. That that's that's weird. just weird. That right? Like weird. In Boone. In Boone. That yeah. sucks. And oh. it's going to be Appalachian's like biggest game of the year. Right? Mm-hmm. So their fans are going to be up for it. They're going to be ready for it. You know, they're the big dogs in the Sun Belt. As much as Coastal won the Sun Belt, won, were co-champions of the Sun Belt last year, it's still Appalachian State's conference, without a doubt. This yep. game coming up in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. that's your, your chance to put, you know, a mark on and say no. Yep. The Sun Belt does not run through Boone, North Carolina anymore. It runs through Conway, South Carolina. That's true. That's true. But yeah, so, you know, that's about the only games that have happened so far that have an impact on um, Coastal's ranking. We're going to keep an eye on uh, Iowa State UNLV, uh, Fresno State playing UCLA. Fresno State played Oregon pretty tough mm-hmm. yeah, they week do. one. Yeah, they do. Um, They're good. I'm, you know, I think UCLA is a good team. They proved that against LSU. <laughs> but Probably. I don't fully believe in that team no. quite yet. And I think Fresno State's going to push them. Um, so that's another chance for for Coastal to move up in the rankings. Curtis, uh, check on check. We have a lookout right here for uh, Notre Dame. Only a four point lead on Purdue, so Third that could as well. that, that could potentially affect us too. If Purdue can go in there and upset Notre Dame, we can move up some more in the yeah, rankings. Yeah, and too. I think you know, even if Notre Dame wins that game close, Notre Dame. It took overtime to beat Florida State. Florida State then turned around and lost to Jacksonville State, <laughs> oh, which God. I learned is not in Jacksonville, Florida. It's actually in Alabama. Yep. So, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, that team does not look good, right? They barely pulled it out against Toledo last right. week. That is true. I think even if Notre Dame wins this game, if they win it by, you know, a score or less, yeah. right? You know, they win by three, four, I think Notre Dame could take another tumble. I really do. And I think Coastal could maybe jump up there and and say, hey, look, we've done what you've asked. We've won all three of our games. Not convincingly, at least today. Citadel was over at halftime. Kansas made it interesting until halftime. And then mm-hmm. the second half, he yep. took over. Yep. Right? But you've, you've knocked down the opponents that are in front of you. You've done what you have to do. Where Notre Dame really hasn't. Notre Dame was expected to come into this season and, and be this contender, be this, you know, mm-hmm. they're returning a bunch of guys. They're, they've got Jack Cohn under center who yep. started a lot of games for Wisconsin. Yep. And they've looked bad. That is true. And the teams they've beaten are even worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, man. Yeah, that's true. And, and it's disappointing, too, because, like, the last, like, two out of three years with Notre Dame – They've been in top four with those teams, those Alabamas, those Clemsons, except, again, when it comes to facing those teams like Alabama and Clemson, they just can't beat them. You know, they're absolutely getting destroyed. And they have that little, and they have that, like, thing next to them there, like, hey, look, this is not a top four team. And I'm going to be honest with you, they're kind of proven, they're definitely proven it so far. I mean, yeah. these are teams that they should be absolutely destroying. And even those years when they were getting criticized about not beating Alabama and Clemson, even those teams, like, if we're going back two years ago, we expect them to beat 
to absolutely destroy Purdue. So the fact that they're having close games with these types of teams, again, it is very disappointing for Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. And the last game that we're all keeping an eye on, it's actually ongoing as we're recording, is Alabama-Florida, mainly because Florida is at number 11. Um, they are, you know, I haven't watched the game. We've been recording while it's been on, but just checking uh, on ESPN. There are 11 minutes left in the second quarter, and it is already Alabama 21, Florida 3. So <laughs> Run it up, Alabama. Go, Bama. <laughs> run, run it Shop. up. Roll Tide. Run it Shop. up on them. Roll Tide, baby. Come but, on. <laughs> another thing I noticed also, uh, guys, is uh, Ohio State is also in a tough game with Tulsa. And Ohio State coming off that loss last week against Oregon. Um, you know, you got to kind of wonder what's going on with the Buckeyes. I mean, everybody pretty much were expecting them to – Go up here. They were actually heavily favorites last week against uh, Oregon, mm-hmm. and to to lose at, at home, and now they're in a tough battle with Tulsa. Oh, Tulsa guys, we're talking about Tulsa, <laughs> the Golden Hurricane. Come on, guys. Come, <laughs> Come on. on. I mean, that's 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 pretty trouble now. I need. I know. I need. Uh, I need a uh, CJ Strauss and them to uh, <laughs> to get it together. Yeah, but. But, yeah, so that wraps up our, our kind of national outlook. Again, it's hard to do a national outlook when you've only played the noon games. Um, but so far, things are looking good for Coastal. Things are looking up. Again, you walk out of Buffalo with a win. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. You can't underestimate, you know, at the end of the season, we'll look back at this game and we'll go, you know what? That Buffalo team made it a game against Nebraska, which is a Power 5 team. You look back at this game and you're going to go, we got to win on the road in an environment that again not overly hostile it's it's still you know buffalo much like coastal is building a culture um so the home field advantage is not always there um but yeah so looking forward to uh getting back on the mic on tuesday we're going to do a nice little preview episode again i'm trying to line up a guest that uh, can talk to us about umass football um, so that'll be nice to get some insight on what's going on with that team, where the problems are, where Coastal can exploit them, and where Coastal should be worried. Um, so, yeah. So, again, Coastal wins 28-25 over Buffalo. My name is Curtis. I, uh, on behalf of my co-host Jordan, Josh, and Mario, I thank you for turning, tuning in to episode number one of The Shant Show. Thank you, and we'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs>